There are lots of things a business needs to help it run efficiently. Document management, printing, IT support, digitization, data security and more. As a true managed service provider, Workflow Solutions can help with these and a wide range of other business needs. Saving time and money for businesses across the UK. Help your workflow with Workflow Solutions, the work from anywhere experts. Visit workflo-solutions.co.uk The Go Radio Business Show with Sir Tom Hunter and Lord Willie Hockey with Workflow Solutions. Right, Tom, I've got to start this week with how's your plates of meat after all that walking in Edinburgh? <laughs> well, it was, I mean, kilt, kilt walks are just such a happy event, Willie, as you know, because you've been on them. Yeah. And we were through in Edinburgh, the biggest ever kilt walk, 7,000 people. But the most important stat was there was 700 different Scottish charities being helped on the day. So when we first took over Kilt Walk, 1,700 people turned up in Edinburgh. Last Sunday, 7,000 turned up. So, yeah, um, Marion, myself and Frank the dog, we were very happy. Um, we don't actually walk that much, Willie. We do a wee cheat, and I try and get round all the starts and everything. But um... <laughs> brilliant, great, great effort, by the way. Well done to you, Marine. Thank you. Well, it's, it's, it's the team's there, led by Go Radio's football shows, Paul Cooney. So it's all, it's all good. Keep it in the family, Willie. I thought we'd start this week, obviously, by talking about interest rates, and uh, surprised to see that they were kept at the same rate. Yeah, well, we were asking for this last week, but it's a very blunt instrument, interest rates, and it does take time to filter through the real economy. And I think it would have done more damage to put it up, and I'm really pleased that it stayed. I mean, this is the 14th rise. It would have been the 15th if it had gone up, but I think it's time to pause, see what's happening. There was some good news on inflation. I mean... 0.1% drop. Which we're not expecting. <laughs> I will I will take anything for good news, Willie. So um, I think it's the right decision and good on them for doing that. Yeah, and I couldn't agree with you more. And it's interesting this week that Mark Carney had plenty to say about Liz Truss and the disaster of, of her short period as, as PM. But I, I think that it, he was right to point out, but he should certainly have had something to say about Andrew Bailey and the performance of the Bank of England. I mean, you've been saying it for a long, long time. There's absolutely no doubt that the bank were caught asleep at the wheel here and interest rates should start to have gone up, you know, a long, long time ago, rather than what we've had, as you said, 15 times now it's increased. So I think that, uh, although I agree with what Matt Carney had to say, I think it would have um, carried a lot more weight if he'd also something to say about how he thinks the performance of the Bank of England has been. Yeah, but listen, I think it's it's an easy open goal to criticise a politician. It's a much harder one to criticise the person who's taken over from you. So I, I think, you know, I, I always thought Mark Carney was a good Bank of England governor. and um, But yeah, kick the politicians as we do. It's quite an open goal for us. I don't know if you've been watching Laura Kunzberg's programme about the chaos that's happened in UK politics. Um, I'm two episodes in. I'm actually too frightened to watch the last one. <laughs> it's, un I mean, that 
that episode on Boris Johnson, he should never have been let near any of the levers of power of the UK political machine. He needed adult supervision. <laughs> he shouldn't be let out without Alicia, I think someone said once. Tom, <laughs> uh, so I meant to ask you last week, I mean, you've always got wee interesting tidbits. Are you reading any books at the moment? Well, Willie, you and me disagree about Elon Musk. There's a new book out by Walter Isaacson. Now, you'll remember that Walter Isaacson did the Steve Jobs um, biography, brilliant piece, which I really loved. So I couldn't wait to get my hands on Elon's book. Um, interesting wee tidbit to start with. When Walter Isaacson was negotiating with Musk about the book, he said to him, right, I need to follow you almost every day for two years and you will have no say about what I put in the book. Do you agree to my terms? And Musk amazingly said, yes, I agree. Now, for, for someone who's a bit of a control freak, Wally, that, that's quite amazing. But for any entrepreneur trying to work out why you think Elon Musk is who he is, this is a must read. Whether you like him or not, it explains a lot, but um, there's some horrendous stuff in it about his upbringing. I won't go into that, but just the way he looks at a new industry, he defines it in broad terms, and then he gets into the details. So when he's building Tesla cars or he's building rockets, he's saying, why does that part cost so much? Can we not build it cheaper? Can we not get better? Can and he's just relentless, Willie. So it's a great read, and I would, I would, I would say, Willie, have a read at it, and then we could have a debate. Well, I read the extract in the Sunday Times, um, and there is other national newspapers you can buy, <laughs> like the Herald, <laughs> and um, I thought it was actually quite sad. Some of the stuff, especially in oh, his early years, of you know, treatment from his dad, you know, so. Uh, you know, if that helped shape him, then obviously, you know, great. But I mean, it, it was it was actually sad reading it. So I look forward to to reading the whole book when it comes out. But I'll be interested to see <laughs> if Elon doesn't slap an injunction on Walter to get it stopped if he's not happy with everything that's in it. So let me ask you a question, Willie. If someone came to you and said, right, well, I want to do your life story. I'm going to follow you for two years and you have no say what goes in it. Are you a yes or a no? Oh, I'm a yes. Oh, you're a yes? Yeah, yeah. If I, if I agree to let you come and shadow me for two years, then that's a commitment. Then right. I have no I'm a definite. I'm a definite no. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but but we should tell her, where me and you differ on Elon is that I agree with you that he is a genius. I'm saying he's a flawed genius. And I think that in the next 24 months, he will either go down as one of the greatest inventors and entrepreneurs that ever lived, or he's going to crash and burn. Yeah, I mean, I would agree that every genius is flawed. We're all flawed, yeah. but there's a very thin line between genius and, oh, well, just lunatic. But um, anyway, I, <laughs> and we know a few of them, yeah. <laughs> We don't want to spoil the book for people, but I think the most... Int I think interesting is the wrong word, but the most intriguing part of everything about is actually his private life. Yeah, it, it does tell you a lot about yeah. the man and the way he thinks, but um, I really am enjoying about the SpaceX and Tesla and, you know, 
he views Tesla not as a car company but as a data company. Yeah. It's, 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 it's remarkable, Willie, remarkable. Tom, I see this week that someone known to you, Lord Malcolm Offord, has added another 10 Scottish export champions to the already 13 previously named. Yeah. Is this good, is this good for the country? So I think it's good, Willie. I mean, Lord Offord, as you know, is a Tory. Yeah. So you you probably have got a genetic dislike towards him. But anyway, um, maybe, maybe not. Um, but what I like about Malcolm is Malcolm ran a private equity company for many years and made a lot of money there. So he understands the real world of business. This isn't somebody who's never had a real job. Malcolm, well, if you call running a private equity firm a real job, Malcolm did have a real job. He knows what he's talking about. And to champion our exporters, I think, is brilliant. But what's good about it is it's for peer-to-peer -peer support, which is brilliant. So it's showing other people who may be starting their journey on exporting, you know, pointing out some of the pitfalls. Uh, maybe one week we'll offer... Um, out to Malcolm to see if he'd want to come on the show and tell us a wee bit more about it and what he's trying to do. I think Malcolm would make a brilliant guess and if you want, I'll reach out to him and see if he wants to come into the Lions Den. I promise not to call him <laughs> Malcolm Awful. Uh, Tom, big story again this week. Looks like the CBI is right in trouble. You know, there's a cash call. Oh dear, well, Going to go bust. I, mean, I have, I don't know about you, but I, I haven't really had anything to do with the CBI. I, I never thought the CBI represented me nor any of the businesses I was involved with. I think it's more a big company. Um, have you had anything to do with them, Willie? Well, I've had discussions, actually. I knew Brian McBride. I know Brian McBride, sorry, you know, used to be a director of Celtic. Yes, and of course. I. I think they hold, need a whole new branding now. And I see, obviously, a few of the big names quit right away when the scandal came about with the CEO. The lady who's come in is trying her best to try and keep it together. But I see also that, you know, that there was talk this week about maybe getting together with Make UK and it could be folded into there. But I see a lot of the big members are going to, um, they're threatening to quit if that's what happens. So, but but I didn't know that, um, that the CBI was actually put together back in the mid-60s by Royal Charter. Oh, right, I didn't so know that. it'd be a real shame to see that something that was put together by Royal Charter going bust. Well, the only thing I would say, a bit like Wilco last week... If you're not serving your customers, someone else will, and you deserve to go out of business. And this organisation, it will only survive if it's selling something their members are buying. And that doesn't seem to be the case, Willie. So it, I, in my opinion, it needs to disappear. And if it's needed, something else will emerge. Yeah, I think obviously the scandal and I think a lot of people didn't want to be associated with that and you know, with the chief exec and what was going on. But hopefully, I hope that the CBI gets through this and they survive. Yeah. We mentioned last week, Tom, I'd said to you that I was amazed to read about that half of the GDP of China actually is from the internal market and mostly from, from property. Yes. And I'd mentioned that I'd been watching some stuff on the TV in the morning that showed you that you know the property market there looks as if it's decimated. I was astonished again this week to read that the, the huge property company, they're the largest in, in, in China and, and outside China, Evergrande, is the most indebted company in the world with $127 billion of debt. Now, that's what you call a bank loan, Willie. I wouldn't like to pay the interest on that every month. But, I mean, it's astounding. 
Aye. Absolutely astounding. And, and you mentioned SoftBank last week, which a lot of people think is just a kind of China bank working abroad. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, where do you go from 127 billion in debt and the market has collapsed? Oh, Billy. When did he call time on Evergrande? I mean, there is the old saying that if you own, if you owe the bank a hundred grand, it's your problem. If you own them 127 billion, it's their problem. <laughs> <laughs> so I think it's the bank's problem. Right. So talking about governments and talking about troubles, obviously the UK government at the moment are getting it from all angles in relation to maybe, you know, a, a retrenching on the HS2. Oh, well. um, and this, and could it have any impact in Scotland? That's a big, big question, you know, connecting us to the South. So, Willie, you and I talked about HS2 and I said it was an analogue answer in a digital world. You know, it started off with a budget of £70 billion and the budget's now up at 91 It's actually closer to 100 I actually yeah. know of a couple of people in um, England very wealthy people, well, they are very wealthy now, who have got quarries, Willie, and they, for the past four years, have been flat out selling everything they can out the quarries into HS2, and they said it's the best contract they have ever had. Um, nobody holds them to account. They just keep delivering the stuff and they keep getting paid. So there's mismanagement here. I mean, listen, you and I know we wouldn't put the government in charge of a sweetie shop. You know, it's the the litany of disasters, the trams in Scotland, the parliament in Scotland, don't mention the ferries and, you know, a 70 billion HS2. I don't think this will ever um, get to Scotland. And um, I think there is so much other things you can spend 70 or 90 billion on that would really help. This follows on from what we were talking about last week where I mentioned, I think, that giving the money to the regions to try and do the, the best that they can do for levelling up rather than try to say we're going to, we're going to have this huge project where connectivity is going to be everything, right? Why not, why not dispense the money locally, regionally, and let them make decisions? Making these huge infrastructure decisions is absolutely now being proven not for the best thing for anybody trying to portray that or trying to level up. Uh, well, I mean, it, it really, I mean, it, it defies all common sense. Um, who, and, and, and this is the Tories who are supposed to understand business, you know, and they can't deliver this. And it's a flawed, pro, it was a flawed project from the beginning and it's proven to be so. And once again, the UK taxpayer picks up the bill and nobody's held accountable. I hate it. Yeah, and this is the point that we make every week about politics should get out the way of business. And this was a, a political decision that turns out to be a huge infrastructure project which is now doomed to fail. So when are they going to learn and keep out of the way and just put money in the right places where people know where to spend it best? Doctor, no, Willie. Now, for a bit of good news, I've I've never heard you so chirpy. You've been down in London this week. You've been in the House of Lords. You've been having business meetings. Um, I mean, it's such a different place, London, isn't it, Willie? It's got such a a vibrancy. You're, you've obviously been enjoying yourself down there this week. Anything you can tell us? <laughs> well, what I can tell you is I've never seen it so busy. Right. I have never seen it so busy. And I would love to have a franchise, right, to charge everybody a pound 
it stops to take a picture on Westminster Bridge. <laughs> I think we could take away the national debt. <laughs> right. You can't actually walk across the bridge now for either someone asking you to take a picture or you have to wait until someone takes a picture. <laughs> so a two and a half minute walk across Westminster Bridge yesterday, I think, took me about seven and a half minutes. Oh, dear, dear. But but it was booming. It was absolutely booming. And, you know, we mentioned that a few weeks ago, but, you know, like a congestion tax, which was really a tourist tax for other local, you know, regions wanting to move it, come into Glasgow. I, I think that in London, I, I would love to know exactly how much tourists bring to, to that economy. It must be absolutely huge. Yeah. Huge. I've never seen London so busy. Well... I've been busy as well. We've been holding a scale-up conference here, scale-up 2.0. These are businesses that want to get over 100 million, Willie, move the economic dial. Um, so they've been down at Blair this week. We had brilliant speakers. We had Bob Keeler, friend of the show. Brilliant. Um, we had Mark Bowman, also been in the show, and a pal of mine from London who runs a fund called Mike Reed. So they come... They speak to the businesses, they get into the questions, you know, practitioners who have been there, did it and done it, and enthusing the businesses, and then the businesses help each other peer-to-peer. So it's been a really great week here as well. And Tom, the other big story this week, obviously, um, you know, the Tories winding back on their, their, their green credentials, their promises. Yeah. But the cars. Yeah, so, you know, I think this can be looked upon two ways. Um, Rishi Sunak has said he agrees getting to net zero by 2050, but he doesn't want to bankrupt the UK public on the way there. I think everybody would agree with that. I think this is such a difficult subject that on the one hand, you get people saying, oh, this is terrible, terrible, terrible. On the other hand, is it practical? I mean, what do you think? I think... Although the the, you know, the green lobby will be jumping up and down, I think there has to be a sensible approach. Everyone wants to get to net zero, everyone. But we need a complete understanding of the cost and what that means. Okay, so the head of the Green Party was on this morning, right, talking, you know, saying this is a, it's the end, you know, blah, 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 winding back again. I would love to ask her, what happened if everybody had an electric car tomorrow? Yeah, well, it wouldn't work, will it? It wouldn't work. <laughs> it wouldn't work. So we have to have a, a transition. We're all for it 100%, but let's have a serious debate about what the consequences are, what the financial consequences are, and how can we get there. The one thing that no one is actually you know, attacking is, is that we, we have to have an infrastructure in order to support where we're trying to get to by 2050. And the whole conversation should be around, who's going to fund that? Yeah, I thought it was telling when Rishi Sunak, who, you know, I like him, he said this, he said, for too many years, politicians and governments of all stripes have not been honest about costs and trade-offs. And I think, I think that kind of sums it up. We all agree we want to get there. We maybe disagree with how to get there. I agree. And just a, a wee, wee side story, which is a good, I think it's a good story. The Muir Moor Wind Farm has launched a supplier portal to help Scottish businesses get access to up to £12 million of contracts and offer from the wind farm. Right. Th- this has obviously got to be good. It's great to see companies working that can get access and hopefully other larger businesses can learn from this to try and give local businesses a wee bit of a fairer chance to win in contracts. Right. 
That sounds good, Willie. Twelve million of contracts. It. Yeah, so good luck to the local businesses in winning some of those contracts. Good luck. Coming next, Hunter and Hockey chat to Leah Hutchin, founder and CEO of Appointed. The Go Radio Business Show with Workflow Solutions, part of the Scottish Procurement Framework for Managed Print Solutions, available to all public sector bodies and charities. Go Radio. There are lots of things a business needs to help it run efficiently. Document management, printing, IT support, digitisation, data security and more. As a true managed service provider, Workflow Solutions can help with these and a wide range of other business needs. Saving time and money for businesses across the UK. Help your workflow with Workflow Solutions, the work from anywhere experts. Visit workflo-solutions.co.uk. The Go Radio Business Show with Hunter and Hockey. This week's special guest is Leah Hutchin, founder and CEO of Appointed, an award-winning online appointment scheduling software that powers online bookings in 167 countries. Leah, welcome to the programme. Thank you so much for having me. Great to see you again. So nice to see you too. Lovely to be back in sunny Glasgow. Now, Leah, if I'm not mistaken, you were very early in entrepreneurial spark and Willie's incubator, was that right? I was. I was a wee chicklet in, um, in, in take two. So, yeah, <laughs> very, very early days of appointed. Hadn't really worked out what it was going to be yet. And, and yeah, Willie and the gang definitely helped shape that early early start. Fantastic. Well, we're really looking forward, and the listeners are looking forward to hearing your story and understanding the journey and where you are today. So over to you. Thank you so much. Um, so I started appointed back in 2011 when I had been made redundant as a magazine editor. So I used to edit a beautiful um, luxury homes and interiors magazine, got to travel all around Scotland, seeing beautiful houses, staying in the best hotels and really enjoying a wonderful life. And then backdrop of the crash that all kind of ended abruptly. I got to keep my company car till the end of the week and that was that. So oh, it yeah, it was kind of a, a horrible time, but actually out of that came the best opportunity that I could have hoped for. And it gave me time to to think about what I wanted to do. And I'd had the idea for what became appointed um, when I was in the early days kind of driving around Scotland and I would find myself in somewhere I hadn't been before with an hour to spare and think, oh, wouldn't it be wonderful if I could get my nails done or get my hair done or go for a massage and I didn't know how to go about that because there wasn't really online booking or online scheduling in, in the way that there is now. So short of phoning around places or driving around. So I decided to kind of take that idea and, and see what I could do with it. And I think I always think I was fantastically lucky, not just with the eSpark timing, um, although that was a huge part of it. But I think it was the very early days of the kind of startup boom in, in Scotland. And so I came across Girl Geeks Scotland, which was an amazing organisation and went for a weekend residential in a kind of hotel in, in Stirling. Loads of women with ideas about, about businesses and just was surrounded by the creativity and passion of it all. And that from, from there, I was recommended to apply for eSpark. So went along, um, pitched, Lucy Rose kind of got the idea. She had had similar kind of um, challenges and, and she really backed it. And so I found myself in, in East Park in the early days. And I think just being surrounded by other people who were really trying hard, you're going through highs, lows, kind of the challenges together, learning how to talk about your business. And I think that 
for me was was just so fundamental. And I was lucky enough to be featured on The Entrepreneurs, the BBC Two documentary. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So that was fabulous, getting followed around via VVC camera, in fact, pitched to both of you um, in the um, <laughs> Scottish Edge. So we, I, we, I always say we of these early days, me. I um, pitched in the very first Scottish Edge Awards and I was awarded £30,000. Wow, uh, yeah. And that was the game changer for Appointed because it allowed me to go and hire our first developer and turn all of the kind of ideas and the, I'd built a very, basic proof of concept but turn all of that into a real business and so yeah can i just ask you mm. for the listeners can you tell them how valuable the whole eSpark experience and, and and what that brought to you and helped you it was so wonderful i always say i wouldn't have been in business if it wasn't for eSpark and scottish edge i think those wow. two points were just because there's so many reasons why you shouldn't succeed in those early days. It's often just one person or, you know, a couple of co-founders or whatever. And everything's stacked against you. You have no money, you have no proof of concept. And just having the backing of eSpark and having people believe in you and say, yeah, that's a really good idea. And how are you going to go about that? And I mean, it was super tough. And, you know, you all know how how hard the, the entrepreneurs were working and but it was so wonderful at just kind of proving the concept, getting you pitch ready and just surrounding you with other people who were yeah. doing it. Yeah, I thought that the big plus was that, and I didn't see this at the start when we put it together, was that you'd 60 entrepreneurs in a room all going through, you know, different things in their, in, in their growth, all having many problems. And I think a lot of people would have quit if they didn't know that the lady beside them, the guy beside them was in a worse position than them and they were getting through it. Yeah. I think that, to give you the strength to keep going, I think was, yeah. was one of the big, big wins of, you know, when, when, when me and Tom put eSpark together. We never thought for a minute that that would be the number one thing, but it became quite apparent early on that that was, that was great. Yeah. It's so true. Like somebody's having a worse day than you, somebody's yeah. having a way better day and it just kind of, yeah, it buffers all of the, the difficulties of those early days yeah. and some of the friends I made there are still some of my best friends and it's because yeah. you've gone through that really tough time together. Yeah. Fantastic. And, and Leah, t tell us and tell the listeners about raising money. How difficult, any tips, oh. any highs, any lows? <laughs> <laughs> so many lows. No, <laughs> lots of highs and lows. So um, as appointed, we have raised £3 million over the life cycle right. of the business. So um, I've had lots of experience pitching at, at different levels, I think. Again, eSpark was kind of in the very early days and getting that first Scottish Edge money was was invaluable. And then going out and, and raising our first rounds had quite a tough time in the early days. So um, I was raising our first round in the backdrop of the independence referendum. So I was right. pitching down in London and people are questioning, well, will you have the pound and what, you know, so you're kind of trying to convince on a really early stage business in an uncertain economic climate and, and all of that sort of stuff. Being yep. a solo female founder didn't do me any favours. Um, I was um, interviewed for Anna Stewart's Pathways report recently and I was talking about how when I first was going out to, to raise investment, I'd been advised if I had any men in the business that I should bring them along with me to pitch. And I was like, <laughs> it's just me, I don't have any men. So yeah, so it was definitely in the early days some real challenges but I think as you know a passionate founder who really believes in in what I was doing 
I, yeah, just stuck to it and and definitely did lots and lots of mega bus gold trips. That used to be my um, mode of transport. So an overnight bus down to London, day of pitching, back up. Um, and then after all of that, ended up raising investment right here in Scotland. So our lead investors are Equity Gap, so an angel syndicate in Edinburgh. Terrific. They're amazing. They've been so supportive, both in kind of time, money, wisdom, all of that side of things, um, and Scottish Investment Bank. So, yeah, we've been really well supported. Brilliant. And how many staff do you have today? So we have 30 people within the team, so Matt. all based in Edinburgh. So so this was you and Eastpart, what, 2012, 2013? Yeah, yeah. So this is fantastic. And, and when, we, when me and Tom got involved in all this, it's great to meet someone who 10 years later came through it all and today you employ 30 people. That's what made yeah. it all work well for us. So brilliant, yeah. absolutely brilliant. Absolutely. Yeah. So 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 what's happening today, Leah? Where where are you? How's the business and what's your future plans? So where we are today is, as I say, we've got 30 people all based in Edinburgh um, and we're powering online bookings in 167 countries. So wow. kind of 85-ish percent wow. of the world, um, all, all from Edinburgh. <laughs> yeah, we business is starting the gorbals. <laughs> exactly, wow. exactly. Um, but yeah, so we, um, I talked a little bit about our great investors. They really gave us the, the time and space to build out really innovative, robust tech and while the idea started with hair salons and spas and, and that kind of thing, our ambitions grew as the technology grew and as the market opportunity grew. And we now power a whole host of different businesses right around the world, largely retail and automotive sector. They're our real cornerstones. So we power businesses like Lego, um, Fraser's Group, Harrods, Liberty, Gallery Lafayette, lots of big global retailers. Great to names, do. Leah. Thank Great you names. so much. Um, and we we power them to do really innovative things. Um, so virtual sh personal shopping events, personal shopping appointments, all sorts of different things. We power in the automotive sector, um, test drive, servicing, all sorts of different bookings where you just need to be making a booking. You need to know when it's happening, where you need to be, and know that it will, will happen. And then we power the whole kind of life cycle, so the customer journey right the way through. And then on the other side of things, we do quite a lot of B2B kind of large enterprise. So we power um, tax consultancy and advisory appointments for two of the big four consultancies, businesses like Aberdeen and yeah, other financial services organizations that I'm never allowed to name. But yeah, lots of different, lots of different customers who are using um, our technology. But where we really stand apart from our 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 competitors is our multi-time zone functionality and that's what allows us to from our offices in Edinburgh power these really global businesses to be doing bookings right the way around the world in different time zones and take away all of the pain for them. Amazing, what? amazing. Right. And so what's, what's the, what do you see as a real potential? What, do you, what does your growth look like? We're at such an exciting time. I think coming through the pandemic, obviously lots of people had to move to, to booking online and scheduling and we've seen that really power a, a growth. And I think as consumers now, we want to have that reliance of making a booking and know it's going to happen. So we've definitely seen great growth over the last couple of years and looking at where we go now, it's really just taking those bookings more strategically through the businesses and the sectors. So we really know 
what our ideal customer looks like now. We know how we add value. We know the problems that we can solve for businesses. So yeah, there's not many more countries we can go into, but we want to really penetrate further. And we're starting to think about kind of what a global expansion might look like. We have, we've been very lucky to, one of our um, main investors is Gareth Williams from um, one of the founders of Skyscanner. And We have been really inspired how Skyscanner kind of had the Edinburgh headquarters, but really, you know, powered a global expansion. And so that's something that we're starting to look at now. That's not a bad advisor. No. Yeah, um, (laughs) Gareth's a great guy. Um, Leah, just just thinking about your journey here, which has been quite a journey. And so you've, you've kind of been through the whole roller coaster entrepreneur's journey. Is there anything you would like to if you were in charge of enterprise in Scotland today, see if you just changed a couple of things that you could get more businesses, make it easier for them. Is there anything you've noticed along the way? I mean, there's so many things, isn't there? We're all so opinionated. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I think for me, um, something that I am really excited about at the moment is the opportunity in the community wealth building side of things. So obviously it was a a really big recommendation within the NSET. um, And I think looking at how that can power more collaboration and more business to be done in Scotland, I think there's so much potential there. You know, it's great that things like Entrepreneurial Spark and Edge and, you know, I think there's a lot of grants and support that, that surrounds startups and, and scale-ups in Scotland, we'd all be rather rather signing sales contracts than grant funding forms or investment um, investment documents. So I think for me, that's what I would love. What I think can be really transformative is we've got some amazing businesses here in Scotland. And if more of them can be buying from others, that can be transformational for us. So I'm really excited to see that in some of the recommendations that have been made and looking at kind of um, what has happened with STIR and the Pathways report, just feel like they build on that. So, yeah, really excited to see where that goes. Brilliant. So, so we've, sorry, we've, we've had Anna on the show and it's interesting that you were actually, you know, at East Park at the time. And although, Anna, you know, Anna was saying that um, the piece of work she was doing for the government, you know, and women in business, that... I was saying that through my time in East Park, we've seen a big change. That you know, more and more women were joining the next cohort. The next, you know, in the last one, I remember Susan came to do a talk and she was over the moon. It was fifty-two percent women. Amazing, right? And 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 it's it's sad to hear that someone says to you when you go for a loan, or if you can take a guy. I mean, hopefully, do you think that things have got better? I think they have, um, for sure. Although I think the stats, and I listened to Anna on on um, the show, I thought you guys had such a great conversation. I think the stats, unfortunately, don't lie. You know, we've still stuck at only 2% of, of investment goes into female-led companies. Only 20% of companies are run by women. So I think there's it's so encouraging to see more women starting companies. For me, where I see the gap is that real scale-up, The you know, getting meaningful funding yeah. right okay where we were discussing with Anna um, was that when we started talking about stats she started off by telling us the stats are rubbish yeah. <laughs> right, the stats <laughs> for the government are rubbish right Right. so what I think we need to do is get better stats right, you know, to make yeah. sure that's right yeah. but it's great that obviously um, and I, my only experience was being close to East Park and, and as I said by the end that actually we nearly as many women and, and I'd, I've said many many times 
I think there's more chance of women, you know, going through all the hardships and trying to <laughs> succeed. They're tougher than men, right? And they'll no give up and they'll try and get to the end. So the more and more women we get try to start businesses, and if they've got help, like the edge, like all oh, their scale up, like all these things, entrepreneurial spark or entrepreneurial hub, whatever it's called now, I think that that can only be a good thing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely yeah, yeah, agree. Yeah, yeah. This has all been good news. Yeah. Tell, tell some of the listeners about some of the bumps. Some of the bumps. Oh, so many bumps. Um, well, do you know, so I was reminiscing, Willie, and you probably won't remember this. It's not even a business bump, but one of my worst pitches that I ever did was to you in the um, blood donor bus outside city facilities. So um, I was giving blood, you were also giving blood, and my um, vein collapsed. And so it all got a bit dramatic in the bus. And, I remember this. <laughs> and so you very kindly tried to take my mind off it and said, tell me about your business. And I remember just being like, He's just being so kind because he's trying to distract me, but I really want to impress him. And so, yeah, it was definitely well, you didn't my know most I was random. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> I think that might have made me more nervous. Yeah. Um, but no, I think um, there's so many ups and downs, aren't there, in business? I think yeah. for us, like, I can always, because you've got the, the benefit of hindsight, you can always see the silver linings, can't you? Yeah. So you look back, I think there's so many decisions that we've made that you know with 2020 hindsight you go oh we could have done that a lot sooner so I think that those are the lessons that you learn over and over again and saying yes to things doing things quicker doing them in a more effective or efficient way um but yeah there's not been any horror stories I remember yet. that pitch I will definitely <laughs> It was quite awful. It wasn't, I, I thought you were going to say that you'd asked me for funding. I said no and your vein no, collapsed. No, it was all good. I, I didn't have the wherewithal to ask for money. I was just yeah. trying to get through it. The only reason I actually went and gave blood, it's not that I'm brave, but it used to give you a wee cup of tea and a biscuit. And a biscuit, totally. <laughs> it was wonderful. I remember trying to offer a whole armful to get a bag of jammy dodgers, but they weren't having it. <laughs> Love it. Let, let me ask you, I shared with the listeners last week that in all my years in business, that when it came to the end of the year, I never sat down with my board and said, right, guys, we've done X this year and we're going to, we're looking for 10% increase next year or 15%, you know, whatever it might be. How do you discuss growth and, and how do you go about what you're trying to get to the fully short term and long term? I think we're, we are super ambitious about our growth. And I think to the board point, we are so lucky with our board. So, when we sit down as a board, we do our board pack, we do, you know, we get all of the reporting out of the way and we'll handle that kind of in questions before the board so that when you're going in, it's about how you deliver that growth rather than talking about is it going to be 50%, 100% and, you know, absolutely we're ambitious. We're at a stage in our business and I think in the wider climate and the wider opportunity globally where it is all to, to play for for us. People are booking more. They're wanting that kind of reliability. And so we're seeing the growth come through. What we're talking to the board about is like, how do we take that to the next level? So absolutely, we're, you know, as all good scale-ups are, you're looking for 100% growth year on year, really. Um, and, and we're doing well towards that. Um, so it's then about, putting your best minds together and for us we're super lucky we've got a great board we've got a great team of people a lot of our team have been with us for kind of eight plus years so there's been a real kind of growing the minds within our business growing alongside kind of the market opportunity so yeah it's exciting wow fantastic so any any 
bits of little nuggets for our listeners. You've you've had a heck of a journey. It's so impressive to hear. And it's so good to hear somebody who's been through all the various things that Willie and I support. Any any little nuggets of encouragement? I think for me, I would just encourage everybody to be vulnerable and to put yourself out there. I think eSpark definitely showed me what that could do. I remember kind of, you know, hating pitching at the beginning and being so nervous to talk about my business because it was my baby. It was the thing that I cared most about and I, you know, knew inside out. And just having that push to be more vulnerable and to put it out there, I think I've never regretted that. Like, you know, we were featured on the BBC Two, The Entrepreneurs, and like that was so nerve-wracking, having a, a TV camera and, you know, following me, driving on the M8 with a TV camera, that was the worst bit. Um, but, you know, all of these moments that you're doing and you're kind of hating it while you're doing it, but it's kind of type two fun, isn't it? Once you've done yes. it, you're really proud of yourself for having done it. So I think doing that and as an extension of that, just asking for help. I think Scotland, we are so, so lucky that there are so many people around that, genuinely will go out of their way to help you won't they and and really you know put a, a helping hand there make an introduction give you the benefit of their experience and and I think that's true of Scotland but it is also true you know we've gotten in touch with Silicon Valley companies we've gotten in touch with you know competitors even and said how did you do this and generally people will tell you or they'll give you some guidance to get there so I think that's that's my biggest learning is just don't be afraid to ask. I think Leah that the great thing about having you on this morning is, is that for any female budding entrepreneurs, you know, that want to make a start, that you're living proof that the help is there. Yeah. There is loads of help there. And how we break down these other barriers that you and Anna have pointed out, you know, make sure that access to funding, all of these things. But it's an absolute pleasure to be sitting here 10 years on from when I first seen you, <laughs> the day you walked into East Park to, to being so successful and we're so proud of you, and thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. Thanks so much. So, Leah, it's just to echo Willie's words, and the next time you pitch to him, hopefully he's not trying to get blood out of stone. That's all I can say. <laughs> Love it. Great, thank you. Great to hear from you, Leah. Thank More you, bro. your elbow. Thank you so much. The Go Radio Business Show with Workflow Solutions, turning your paper-based processes into organised and digital workflows. Go there are lots of things a business needs to help it run efficiently. Document management, printing, IT support, digitization, data security, and more. As a true managed service provider, Workflow Solutions can help with these and a wide range of other business needs. Saving time and money for businesses across the UK. Help your workflow with Workflow Solutions, the work from anywhere experts. Visit workflo-solutions.co.uk. The board you can't afford. This is the Go Radio Business Show with Hunter and Hockey. So this week on the board you can't afford, we have Rebecca Bonington from Tricris. Morning. Hi. Hi. How are you? I'm fine, Rebecca. I'm fine. Thanks for thanks for um, coming on. Absolute pleasure. Thank you for asking me. Good. So do you want to tell the listeners a wee bit about yourself and your business, and then your question? Sure. Yeah. So I've been running my own businesses since I was 26. Uh, so that's quite a long time, Willie. Uh, that was back in 1997 I started. Um, and I've been a, an exec coach for donkey's years. 
And I decided four years ago to put all my own IP that I'd created online uh, and sell it to business owners so they could access highfalutin coaching and consulting for themselves. That failed, Willie, it had to say. Uh, and then I pivoted and I now train other business and coaches and consultants in our kick-ass culture program. Uh, and we build businesses from the inside out, building their cultures outwards. And that's what I do. We do it all online. And so we've got trainees all over the world. Fantastic. And obviously, uh, you're dealing with companies throughout the world. Yes. Yeah. 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 From Colombia to Malaysia. Wow. And everything in between. Yeah. So what is your question to the board? Right. Okay. So I coach and consult with the non-sexy end of businesses that the UK governments tend to ignore. What's your advice for those businesses which aren't in tech, biotech, and they have no chance of ever becoming the next unicorn? Uh, they're not even likely to become a pit pony, Willie. <laughs> uh, so how do they scale when the usual investments and you know, accelerator programs aren't open to them? Yeah, you're absolutely right. You know, you, you are in a part of, of the chain that is not sexy. You know, yeah. and it's hard to kind of point out the IP. Your IP is in you and in your knowledge. Yeah. So you're right, it's hard to attract or, or, or to get noticed. But I think the only way that you can do that is, the best way is by word of mouth that you become really, really good at what you do mm -hmm. and companies tell other companies and then you get great endorsements. And I know companies are in this sort of sector now. There's nothing better than if you're working with a big company and they're really happy to get a small endorsement from them and get them to allow you to use that online. Yeah. Right? And that's really... I remember years and years ago when we were a small company and we managed to get a contract with um, Anheuser-Busch. Oh. And uh, it was great. And we tried to recruit 30 engineers and we were getting nowhere and we asked them if they could give us permission, if we could put a joint advert in the newspaper saying it was a city, Anheuser-Busch, it was a Budweiser, actually, we used in the ad. I'll never forget it, we got 480 replies. <laughs> right. So right. if I ever wanted proof about how much that works, so I would say to you that in my own experiences, Rebecca, that the way that you certainly get noticed is trying to get big customers to be nice enough to allow you to use an endorsement, something they've had to say about you, but obviously putting their logo. Mm -hmm. And once you start to build it up, especially now with the weight of online, yeah, you know, and, and social media, I think that that's how you end up with a business of scale. Mm, that's a really interesting angle that I'd not even thought of. Thanks for that, Willie. I appreciate it. You're welcome. And what to do is if you do use this and it works for you, please come back on and tell us you'll be <laughs> successful. If it doesn't, we'll hear from you. <laughs> yeah, at the moment we're, we're relying on the dark arts of digital marketing, which yes. does get you quite a long way. Yeah. Um, but you're right, it's that boost that you need to, to get further with the big name behind you. Right, well, Brilliant. I know what I've what's going to be on my to-do list now. Good luck. Good luck, Rebecca. Brilliant. Thank Thanks you. Thanks a lot. Bye bye. Cheers. Bye. The Go Radio Business Show with Workflow Solutions, helping your business with document management, print, and IT solutions.